Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see, it's uh, 18 March, it's Sunday, it's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And first things first, I have a bandana on, which obviously reflects the spirit of yesterday. What was it? Uh, St. Patrick's Day. And somebody's going to make a bad email. You shouldn't be celebrating St. Patrick's Day. Well, I'm not. You know, I've got a bandana that somebody sent me. Uh, it's my friend Arlene up in Chattanooga, and I thank her very much for that. It's kind of happy. It's got little clovers and stuff on there. So uh, there you go. And then uh, we have Rick and Judith from, and I want to say... Sebring. Okay. All right. I knew you said that. You said somewhere else this morning. Oh, Lake Placid. Okay. So we got uh, Rick and Judith from Lake Placid and Sebring here today. And then Ron and Shirley. Sherry, I'm sorry. I knew I was going to do that. And they're from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And they were here last year or two years ago? Last year? Okay, last year. And they came in today and they had a giant surprise, which I hope that we can get a photo of that before uh, they leave today, is they have four children and all of them were dressed like Charlie. So, so uh, it was very, very cute. We actually stopped the service in order to bring them up and let everybody see them because it was pretty marvelous. So I hope that we can get a photo before you guys bail out of here today. And let's see here. We have our first category, as always, is Israel. And I'd like to let everybody know that we have the Leviticus 26 sermon, which is the blessings and curses upon Israel, which is coming um, uh, this today, we're going to be doing that. And if you, you know, want to hear about the blessings and curses on Israel and how they are prophetically fulfilled as the Bible records, I would suggest that you go ahead and watch that sermon. It's a very interesting series. It'll be three sermons to get through it. Uh, the first one is on the blessings, and then we have the bad stuff coming in the next two sermons after that. And But there's always good at the end. The Lord is faithful even when his people are faithless. So I encourage you to watch those three sermons on Leviticus 26. Um, from Aretz Shiva... We have Czech president. This is Czechoslovakia. Wants the embassy to move to Jerusalem. He wants it expedited. So this is another one of the uh, nations that is actually making a stand, supporting Israel, and following along with President Trump's lead. So it's pretty wonderful that they're going to do this. His name is Milos Zeman. Recently elected to a second five-year term as the president of the Czech Republic, and he would like to speed up the process of moving his country's embassy. So good job, Czech Republic. From the Times of Israel, Honduras, Paraguay, said ready to open Jerusalem embassies if Netanyahu visits. I would guess that we would see a scheduling of Prime Minister Netanyahu's uh, calendar to be visiting those countries rather soon. Paraguay and Honduras are both ready in principle to take the step, provided that Prime Minister Netanyahu first makes an official visit to their country. Netanyahu, who also serves as foreign minister, visited South and Central America last year, but did not stop in either Honduras or Paraguay. He does not have any travel to the region planned in the near future. I think that'll probably change because this is something that is a very great status, um, you know, symbol for them having these embassies now moving into Jerusalem, supporting Trump's decision and supporting Israel's right to Jerusalem. So New York Times, new U.S. embassy may be in Jerusalem, but not in Israel. Okay, now this is something that I 
figured out, or I called it the day that the article came out that we were actually going to move the embassy. And I went and looked at where they were planning on moving to. And I said, it's right there on the green line. And the New York Times must have watched our prophecy update because they figured this out as well. Uh, they say the diplomatic compound that will serve as the American embassy until a permanent site is found, which may not be the case. They may just permanently move in there. We'll see. But uh, it lies partly in a contested zone known as no man's land, which encompasses the area between the armistice lines drawn at the end of 1948 and 49 um, during that war. And it was claimed by Jordan and Israel. Israel won full control of it in the 1967 war. So the UN and much of the world consider it occupied territory. Well, you win something in war, it's yours. That's the standard for the entire world, always for all of human history, except with Israel. The State Department has avoided taking a clear position on the matter, of course, but relies on the fact that Israel and Jordan had informally divided the contested enclave. The site has been in continuous Israeli use since 1949. So it's kind of a shoe-in already, but it's on this green line. It's in a contested area. And as I said, when we did that prophecy update, Trump was a genius to do this. He was an absolute genius because he put it in a place where it would cause this type of, this, you know, whatever you want to call it, this diplomatic battle which must now take place. The guy is not a dummy, and he did not do this without being told this in advance. He knew what he was doing. So I'm very happy with the president we have. The It says the dispute could turn the American ambassador, David Friedman, an avid supporter of Jewish settlements in the occupied West Bank, into a new kind of diplomatic settler himself. The move veers from almost seven decades of American policy and that of much of the rest of the world, which considers the status of Jerusalem subject to negotiation between Israelis and the Palestinians, who each claim it as their capital. Critics say the embassy move prejudges the outcome of any future negotiations over the city. But if the American recognition was already vague, leaving the eventual boundaries of sovereignty in Jerusalem up to the Israelis and the Palestinians, this odd quirk of political geography raises even sharper questions about which parts of the city the U.S. considers as Israel's capital. Great stuff there. Times of Israel, the Knesset passes law allowing police to hold terrorists' bodies. This is important. This is something that they have already done, but they've been doing it without a law. The court said that you have to pass a law in order to do this or you're not going to be able to do it anymore. The Knesset passed a law allowing police to withhold the bodies of Palestinian assailants who were killed while carrying out terror attacks from burial. The law, which passed 48 to 10, came after the High Court of Justice ruled Israel could no longer use terrorist bodies as bargaining chips without legislation explicitly permitting the practice. Now that it is passed, it can go through the courts and the courts can say, well, this is unconstitutional or something, but at least they have the law now and they followed the letter of the law in order to get it. The court gave the government six months to pass such a law. Under the law, district police commanders can determine whether to release the terrorist bodies for burial. If there is fear the terrorist funeral could be used to carry out an attack or provide a platform for praising terrorism, which they always are, police may keep the bodies in custody until further notice. It says, Public Secretary Minister Gilad Erdan said that the practice of holding on terrorist bodies was disagreeable but necessary. Hey, a little quote here, it kind of made me chuckle. The government wants to hold on to these, the government doesn't want to hold on to these bodies. As far as we are concerned, the bodies of these cursed terrorists will rot. We have no need for them. But for political purposes, they will hold on to them. And then from the Times of Israel, 
Let's see here. Russian company names an ice cream poor Jews. Okay, now this sounds like anti-Semitism, but they pick on everybody, so I'll read the article. The ice cream cone is wrapped in an image of the Israeli's flag announcing the ice cream's launch. The company describes it as a crusty horn filled with chocolate and prune-flavored ice cream and topped with peanuts. Uh, trying all this tastiness, it turns out that he is not so poor. So they're making, they're trying to sell ice cream. They're making fun of it. The Slavista company has been criticized previously for creating a chocolate ice cream after then named President Obama, which had a wrapper depicting an African boy, which I said in that uh, prophecy update some years ago, and for naming another ice cream with an ethnic slur for the Ukrainians. So they're an equal opportunity offender, which I like in this politically correct world. I like that we have people that actually can make humor out of things. You know, I, I understand anti-Semitism. I am completely behind understanding that. But there's a point where people need to lighten up and say, these guys are just a private company and they're having fun. So that's my opinion on it. If you disagree, fine. Christian news today, I call this Babylon. But before I get into our Christian news, I have something to announce is that um, the superior word is a church. It is a church in a strip mall, basically, where individually owned buildings, but they're all butted right up against each other. And there is a law that has gone back to 1974 in Sarasota County that you cannot open a new bar, any establishment that sells more than 50% of its revenue from alcohol sales, 51 actually, 51 and above. And um, with that in mind, we moved in here, and because there are 42 establishments within walking distance that derive part of their sales from alcohol, and 22 of them derive all of their sales from alcohol, the people don't like this. Now, they're all grandfathered in. Every one of them is grandfathered in. They're, nobody is being harmed by our presence here. The only difference is that no new business can be established within 800 feet of us based on that law unless um, they're 51, 50 or less percent selling alcohol. Okay, now having said that, Sarasota County wants to change this law. They've got some bigwigs that uh, don't like this. They rent their buildings, which they own, okay, and bars want to move in. Well, they can, anybody can move in. Nobody is harmed by this. The bars that are here are worth more because we are here, not less. And the reason why is because they're grandfathered in. They can be sold as bars and they can continue on. So actually, those bars increase in price. Nobody is affected by this law except this church. That's it. Only this church is affected by this law. And the reason why is what got this going was that right across the road, there was a hookah bar. The guy was established there, and he saw a larger place right next door to us, not 800 feet away, but one foot away from us. And he illegally moved into there and started doing work without getting a permit. The county said they can't do anything until he actually applies for a permit. He can do whatever he wants in a building. But we are now one foot away from a hookah bar. And so I called the county, and I said, the county actually told them that you cannot open because there's a church here. He voluntarily went over there and he didn't follow the law in doing it. But now they have gone. Other people are saying that this is not right. Churches should not be exempt from this. And um, they want to do away with the law. It will not affect our Sunday morning services. Okay, no bar is open at that time on Sunday morning. But this will affect our Thursday night Bible studies. Okay, it may be, and I don't know, that they're in there and they have speakers blaring, that it'll be so loud that we cannot have services here on Thursday night anymore. So that means no more um, night um, 
what do you call it, Bible studies. And it'll affect any other thing that we want to do in the evening when a bar is open, if it's too noisy. And we don't know that yet, but why go through this? The law is in place. Nobody's being harmed. And so I would ask you, I would ask you as a watcher of this prophecy update that you would send a email to the Superior Word website or to me personally if you have my personal email address and send me an email and say, I attend this church online. This is my church and we do not want our church affected by this. The reason why I'm asking you to do this is because, one, I've never asked anything of you ever in my life in the history of this Prophecy Update, I think, maybe one other thing. But the second reason is because we're a really small church. We, you know, we, we are just a teeny church, and the representation that we have here is something that anybody can dismiss. But if you have two or 3,000 emails that say, I attend this church and I am benefiting by it and you are harming me personally, then it will make a difference. You have gotten a free prophecy update for, I think, 225 updates. You've been watching them. It hasn't cost you anything. You can turn it off. You can watch it. You can watch it twice. We don't monetize our videos. We never ask for anything in this church. So, it is up to you to say, I can take the five seconds that it takes to send an email and say, I really appreciate the superior word as my church. Please do this. And it would mean a great deal to me and all of the people that attend online. And I know it would bless the people that watch the Bible studies because they love those Bible studies. And uh, you would be helping everybody by this. So that's my appeal to you. I would thank you for it. And if you don't, you know, that's your business. But uh, it would mean a great deal to me. Overflow us with emails so that I can't print them all off, but I can say, just go to this link and read them. Okay? That would be something that would mean a lot to me. So having said that, Yahoo! Chileans, this is almost all on the uh, Vatican today. So uh, Chileans, that's why I call it Babylon, is because when uh, uh, Peter writes his epistle, he says, um, you know, he's writing from Babylon. Well, he's actually writing from Rome. So anyway, Chileans lose faith as the Vatican scrambles to contain sex abuse scandal. A poll by Santiago-based pollster showed the number of Chileans calling themselves Catholics had fallen to 45% from 74% in 1995. That is a huge drop. In the same survey, Dope Francis, who hails from neighboring Argentina, is the first Latin American pontiff, was ranked by Chileans, asked to evaluate him at 5.3 on a scale of 0 to 10. So he is not well-liked there at all. That's his hometown, compared to 6.8 average in Latin America. So there you go. He's ruining the Catholic Church, which doesn't bother me at all. Um, Deutsche Welle says, this Catholic university deemed the words husband and wife too triggering. This is a Catholic university. You can no longer say husband and wife. The University of Dayton's website under the Women's Center section provides a list of gender-inclusive language along with words that are too gender-specific and thus exclusive. Examples include, and I'm not going to read them all, just read you a few of them, mankind, layman, man hours, manpower, middleman, chairwoman, husband, wife, cleaning lady, maintenance man, those are all out. I'm sorry, you can't use that anymore. For the approved words, humankind, layperson, staff hours, chairperson, spokesperson, spouse, I can't call you my wife anymore. Did you know that? I'm sorry, Hiko. You're my spouse, partner, significant other, custodial staff, etc. So there you go. From PJ Media, Independent Order of Exorcists runs online demon-busting service as Vatican faces mounting demand. This is the typical, you know what, you have somebody that thinks they saw a UFO, and within two days, 400 people saw the same UFO. This is just where people think they see something, and it starts ballooning, okay? This is the, uh, what did they call the uh, herd, uh, 
Herd mentality. Herd mentality, thank you. So there you go. This is what's going on, and people think that they're having all these demonic possessions. Um, it says, as Italy has experienced a massive explosion in demand for exorcisms, an independent organization offers demon-busting services in 24 countries that can be ordered online. Get yours today, kids. Wow. The order of exorcists has been easily accessible. Contact us form to request an investigation and an exorcism. Last month, the Sicilian friar reported that Italy alone had seen a threefold, threefold increase in demand for exorcism in recent years. Wow. Okay, Breitbart. Poll, U.S. Catholics more worried about climate change than Christian persecution. Yep, when asked to rank the intensity of their concern regarding global issues, U.S. Catholics placed Christian persecution dead last on the list. Yeah, with human trafficking garnering 86%, poverty 86%, climate change 74%, refugee crisis 74%, and Christian persecution just 69%. So there you go. We're, uh, you know, and when you have Christian persecution, of course you have something called Christian death. Right? They don't just get persecuted, they die. And all of those other issues are far more important to them than their fellow Christians around the world being executed. So there you go. Um, let's see here from Yahoo. Allegations about 40 gay priests in Italy has been sent to the Vatican. The Archdiocese of Naples says it has sent the Vatican a 1,200-page dossier compiled by a male escort identifying 40 actively gay priests and seminarians in Italy. Okay, that's just the ones that he had contact with. Imagine how many there are that he didn't. The dossier containing WhatsApp chats and other evidence was compiled by a self-proclaimed gay escort. He has told Italian media that he outed the priests because he could not stand their hypocrisy any longer. None of the 34 priests or six seminarians was accused of having sex with minors. Good. It's the latest sex scandal to convulse the Italian church on the Vatican. Last month, a Vatican judge pleaded guilty in a Rome tribunal to having child pornography on his computer after police were brought in when he allegedly tried to uh, do something to an 18-year-old man. Monsignor Pietro Amenta was a judge on the Roman Rota, the Holy See. He's up there in the bigwig Vatican tribunal that hears marriage annulment cases. This guy handles marriage annulment, and he's out doing these perverted things, as well as a consular to various Vatican congregations. He resigned after the plea deal, the Vatican said. What that means is they gave him, you know, a lifetime retirement and probably a, his own island out there in uh, Italy somewhere, and he's got all the benefits, but he just had to retire. This is the way they operate there. From CTV News, nothing about the, um, about the Catholic Church here, thank goodness. Requirement to say Easter Bunny is real violated couples' charter rights. Now, this is something, well, no, this is good. About a year or two ago, I reported on these people. They were not allowed to adopt children because they told the foster kids in their home that the Easter Bunny is not real. And the Canada government, surprisingly, for the first time in eons, did something right. They said that that actually violated their charter rights. So, an Ontario court says a couple's charter rights were violated when the Children's Aid Society of Hamilton took away girls they were fostering because the pair refused to tell the children the Easter Bunny is real. So, you say the Easter Bunny isn't real, which it's not, 
and they take away your children. Tell me that's not absolutely insane, right? The Bars, who described themselves as a Christian couple with strong religious faith, argued telling children in their care that the Easter Bunny is real was a violation of their religious beliefs. Can you imagine that, that they would take away children because of that? Good news, you probably saw it. If not, I'm going to read it anyway. Just the title from the Washington Times, Joy Bahar called Pence to apologize for Christian mental illness remark. I don't know if you saw that, but she actually called him, and I'm sure she got a lot of grief from people that said Christians are not mentally ill. We do hear from God. I hear from him every single morning of my life and every evening of my life and throughout the day as well as I'm typing sermons is that I'm reading his word, and his word speaks to me. This is alive today as it was the day it was written, and it'll always be that way. Uh, let's see here. Islam today. I call this collusion. From WND, records sought to reveal whether Carter Center, that's our Jimmy Carter, funding terror. Yes, the ACLJ is asking the State Department for records related to former President Carter's Carter Center to determine whether the activist organization channeled taxpayer funds to terrorist organizations. Carter, whose support for Fakistinians ruling Fatah and Hamas movements is well known, it may have violated federal law. It is a federal crime to knowingly, according to the law, provide material support or resources to a foreign terrorist organization. ACLJ explained, noting Hamas has been designated a foreign terrorist organization by the State Department. While Fatah has made some attempts to legitimize its efforts, there is no question in the eyes of many governments, including the U.S. government, that Hamas is a terrorist organization and that any aid rendered to them is aid rendered to terrorism. We know that he's done it. He's going to be in some real trouble for it, I bet. Not him personally, but his Carter Center. Nor can we continue to allow our tax dollars to be funneled to efforts that provide material support or resources to terrorists. I'm so glad we have the ACLG that takes these issues and runs with them. Wonderful organization. From WND again, nation looking to destroy America wants to save it from guns. Thank you, Iran. The supreme leader of Iran's totalitarian theocracy is lecturing Americans about handguns and rifles, insisting they shouldn't be allowed to possess them. Meanwhile, China's communist government is giving Americans the same lecture in the wake of the school shooting in Florida. Iran's supreme... Why do I call this collusion on this one? It's because it's the same platform of the Democrat Party of the U.S. Yeah. Iran's supreme leader Ayatollah Khamenei said America should make guns illegal. No one dares apply the clear solution to the promotion of guns and homicide in America. What's the solution? It's to make guns illegal. Well, you'll have to make our constitution, the Second Amendment, illegal first, right? Um, he goes on, he says, uh, he tweeted, the comments, however, apparently haven't changed the rogue nation's off-stated desire to destroy America. So they're saying, kill America, destroy Americans, and they shouldn't have guns in the process. Why? Because, I will say this, the American public, the American public, the private American sector is the largest standing army on this planet. And every nation on the earth that wants us destroyed knows that. If they come against us, it's not just a military. Our military is not actually that big that carries guns, right? We have a million people in, this, say, the military, along with the uh, Coast Guard and the Merchant Marines, right? They're not that many. And out of those, how many actually carry guns? Very, very few, right? But you have the largest standing army in the planet 
right here in the United States of America, and they don't like that. So that's why they come out with these crazy things, and they try to get the left to follow suit, and then the left goes out there, and they have all these demonstrations, and no guns, and this and that. Thank goodness we have a Second Amendment, or it would all be gone. Um, idiots. Useful idiots. Thank you. State-run Chinese newspaper, The Global Times, said the U.S. should learn from the communist regime, yeah, right, and genuinely protect human rights by restricting gun ownership. More people have died at the hands of communists in the past 120 years than all of the world combined in the history of the universe. It's incredible. Anyway, um, gun ownership in China is strictly regulated, which helps gun-related crimes and deaths. The U.S. should learn from China and genuinely protect human rights. Yeah. Well, WND again. School ordered to reveal details of collusion with Muslim activists. A federal judge has ordered school officials in San Diego to provide information about whether they are continuing to collude with the Islamic advocacy group Kair in a lawsuit by parents who say the district claimed to have dropped the collaboration. The case was brought by several families and two patients' groups against the San Diego Unified School District over its partnership with Kair, a group founded by members of the Muslim Brotherhood. According to FBI evidence presented in a Hamas funding case in which Kair was named an unindicted co-conspirator. This is who the left in our uh, educational system is dealing with. It's absolutely crazy, right? The families had submitted a motion for a preliminary injunction with more than 200 pages of supporting evidence to prepare for arguments. They had asked for copies of communications that took place after the school board supposedly dropped the cooperation. Federal court rules allow such expedited discovery if there's a good reason. Charles Lee Mondry, FCDF's president and chief counsel, said the San Diego Unified School District needs to follow principles including government neutrality in religion and the right of every American, including school children, to equality under the law. Unfortunately, this politically correct anti-Islamophobia initiative runs roughshod over those principles. He said the district has a constitutional obligation to keep divisive forces like Kair outside of its schools. I agree wholeheartedly. But he cited testimony from Kair officials who had confirmed they have a religious obligation to try to convert school children to Islam. So they're saying this is our goal, we have an obligation, and so it must be allowed. Well. We'll allow that when we allow the Bible to be taught in school once again, right? Oh, crazy. Okay, and then uh, uh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, this guy Noah Pollock, he has a Twitter account. He tweeted something that was rather interesting. He said, what happened is the uh, White House had a uh, forum with some Arab leaders on Gaza because Gaza is in such bad shape we need to find out ways of helping them apart from giving them money directly so that it doesn't go to the terrorists and kill the Jews and all that right so they have done something to help Gaza Nola Pollock tweeted this is pretty much the most Palestinian thing in the history of Palestine things White House to hold a conference on Tuesday on the humanitarian crisis but Gaza Palestinians refuse to attend the most Palestinian thing in the history of Palestinian things and they won't attend it Okay, Mongolia. Diplomatic says, eight reasons why Mongolia's capital of Ulaanbaatar might be the place for a Trump-Kim summit. Hmm, okay, yeah, here's why. First, neutrality. I'm not going to read you all of their justification for it. I'm just going to read you their eight points. Neutrality, 
Friendly relations with the United States. We know we go there every year and have, um, you know, uh, what do you call it, military operations with them. Friendly relations with the DPRK. We know that they have North Koreans that work in the country, and they also export. Remember all that tobacco we talked about a couple months ago? They have this trade between them. The meeting will take place in Asia. That's a plus. Past interactions. Substantive credibility. And Ulaanbaatar would be acceptable to the U.S. and DPRK allies. Capacity. It's a big country. They can hold a lot of diplomats. Barring any intervention from Dennis Rodman, it would seem that any search for a meeting location beyond Panmunjom points to Ulaanbaatar. So there you go. Pretty wonderful. From Daniel 12 Technology today. Fox. Millennials disrupting security landscape. Study. Millennials are moving away from passwords. You wonder how the mark of the beast is going to come in, right? How they're going to be able to identify all of these people as individuals without being able to say, well, this I'm stealing this person's ability to, you know, keep his privacy. How are they going to do it? Well, the millennials are at the forefront of this. All these new technologies are being developed, and old people like old school. I use passwords, right? Most of us here probably use passwords, but now the millennials don't want to do that anymore. They're looking for the easy way to get identified. And this is how the mark of the beast is going to come about. IBM surveyed nearly 4,000 adults from across the U.S., Asia Pacific, and Europe and found while 75% of young adults are comfortable using biometrics, less than half are using complex passwords and 41% reuse passwords. Millennials are actually leading the way towards us moving away from passwords. The study also found 67% are comfortable using biometrics today, while 87% said that they will be comfortable using these technologies in the future. It's the combination of something I know, like a password, something I have, like your phone, and something unique about you, like your face or your fingerprint. Okay, you combine those three together, then you get a really robust security posture versus just relying on a password alone. Mark of the Beast is on its way, and we're, we're developing it as a society, as a group of people on this planet. Unbelievable. Mail online. Who would have thought that? Even 20 years ago, we never would have thought this would be possible. Mail online. The creepy tool that lets expectant mothers 3D print an eerily lifelike model of their unborn child so they can hold it before birth. Yeah, a Russian firm can create a 3D printed model of an unborn baby in the womb by taking their, you know, their scans. Ultrasound images are used to create a computer model, which is then printed. The model can be used to spot developmental issues and potential birth defects. Sounds like a planned abortion scenario to me right there. But there you go. You can now do that if you want. Mail online. Millennials are turning into hunchbacks because they spend so much time on their phones, warn experts. Today's 20-year-olds suffering from backs as bad as people double their age. Smartphones, tablets, and other personal devices are likely responsible. The neck loses its natural curve, which unbalances the upper body. Remember last week they couldn't hold pens and pencils? Now we got a bunch of hunchbacks coming. The epidemic has created a generation of hunchbacks with many in denial that their beloved phones are the source of the problem. We're seeing it in younger and younger children because they're getting their phones at a younger age. As people's posture gets worse, their upper back muscles stretch out and the neck creeps forward. This makes their head weigh at least 10 pounds more than it should. Yeah, I got one right over here that's working on his right now. <laughs> Revelation plagues today. Breitbart. Opioid crisis drives up Illinois ER visits by 
66%. Yes, a report by the CDC found that opioid-related emergency room visits rose an average of 35% across 16 states between July of 2016 and September of 2017. Don't tell me this wasn't a planned crisis here. Big Pharma. The highest rise was seen in and around metropolitan areas. Increases grew more in large urban centers such as Chicago, where dealers have taken to cutting heroin with the highly dangerous drug fentanyl. While Illinois saw a hefty 66% increase, states around Illinois also saw the ratio jump. Visits in Indiana rose by 35%, 28% in Ohio, and 21% in Missouri. But... Wisconsin saw an incredible 109% jump in ER visits. The study also found that opioid overdose rates rose 70% across the Midwest, but the soaring numbers were worst on the East Coast, where the emergency room visits rose by 105%. We're killing ourselves because of opioids. Go into the doctor, get your evaluation, and before you have your surgery, you tell them, no opioids. I'm telling you... You don't go in there intending to get hooked. It's never intentional, but you get hooked and then you're stuck. Mirror. Scientists warn of mysterious and deadly new epidemic called Disease X that could kill millions around the world. Each year, scientists with the World Health Organization create a list of the most likely diseases to break out in a worldwide pandemic. This year, among the familiar Ebola, SARS, and Zika is the new name Disease X. And unlike other pathogens, It is not known what causes it or how doctors could treat it. Researchers said that they added disease X to the threat list to recognize the fact that the next deadly pandemic could be started by an illness that has not caused any problems before. Bad stuff. Morality today. We'll call this mother of the year. People magazine. Sally Field. Everybody remember her? Cute little Sally Field. Listen to what she did. Sally Field's son meets Adam Rippon after actress, meaning her, tried to play matchmaker. Yes, Sally Field is setting her son up with a boy, okay? All of Sally Field's hard work finally paid off. Almost a month after the 71-year-old actress attempted to set her son, Sam Griezmann, up with Olympic figure skater Adam Rippon, the pair finally got a chance to meet in person. Griezmann, 30, shared a photo on social media of himself posing with his arm around the athlete at a human rights campaign's Los Angeles dinner and auction on Saturday. And he made sure to credit his mom. Imagine a mother doing this for creating the love connection between the two men after Griezmann revealed on Twitter that he had a crush on the 28-year-old. Imagine the, the state of the world we're in where this is going on. It's crazy. And that his mom wasn't giving him the most concrete advice on how to take things to the next level. Huh. Son UK. Mother's Day renamed U-Day by Waitrose, which is a store over there in England. I guess it's like Walmart here. I don't know. Anyway, uh, Mother's Day renamed U-Day by Waitrose and bid to be more gender neutral. So we don't have Mom's Day anymore. We have U-Day. A supermarket started selling gender neutral Mother's Day cards as Happy U-Day in an attempt to be more gender inclusive. Waitrose dropped the M word from some Mother's Day cards it sells and replaced the wording with Happy You Day as a part of its range. The move was aimed at broadening out who the cards can go to, whether it's grandmas or transgender mums. Okay, Fox. College student kicked out of class for telling professor there are only two genders. 
a religious studies major, was barred from Christianity, a Christianity class nonetheless, at Indiana University of Pennsylvania for saying during class that there are only two genders. Like Engel, a senior at the university, said he was silenced and punished by IUP professor Allison Downey for questioning her during a Christianity 481 self-sin and salvation lecture, which I'm sure you're not going to find any salvation in that lecture. Downey accused the conservative libertarian student of disrespectful objection, refusal to stop talking out of turn, angry outbursts in response to being required to listen to a trans speaker discuss the reality of white male privilege and sexism, and disrespectful respectful references to the validity of trans identity and experience. So there you go. That's the educational world we live in today. And our other category, speaking of Babylon, this is a kind of a Tower of Babel type of article. It's the whole other section today. It's a very long article. I didn't want to cut anything out of it because it's so interesting. This is one of history's most accurate indicators of a looming financial crisis. Does anybody know what it is? No, not Bitcoin. Here it goes. The histories. This is all of history. Here we go. April 15th, 1185. Over eight centuries ago, a powerful earthquake struck East Midlands region of England near the town of Lincoln. Modern scientists estimate the magnitude of the earthquake at 5.0 on today's Richter scale, which was a pretty big deal back then. Medieval England didn't have any earthquake-proof construction methods, and much of the region was leveled to the ground. One of the structures it was destroyed was the Lincoln Cathedral. And the new bishop, Hugh de Burgundy, launched a bold reconstruction project to rebuild an even better cathedral using the latest advances in architectural design and technology. De Burgundy's successors kept making improvements to the cathedral until in the mid-1300s, the cathedral's spire was raised to 160 meters, which is 525 feet, making it the tallest structure in the world. Think of the Tower of Babel. What were they trying to do? Okay? Curiously, a severe economic crisis broke out across Europe soon after the King of England defaulted on his debts due to military setbacks in the 100 Years' War. Fast forward several centuries to the late 1700s, when in the town of Ditherington, England, the local flax mill took the title as the world's tallest building in 1797. That same year, a major economic crisis began raging in Great Britain and the U.S. after a huge real estate bubble burst. Banks and businesses in both countries suffered major losses. The completion of the Equitable Life Building in New York City in the early 1870s, which became the tallest building in the world, coincided with the Panic of 1873 and the Long Depression that lasted for more than a decade. The New York World Tower broke the record for the tallest building in the world when it was completed in 1890, which also happened to be the same year that the Economic Panic of 1890 broke out. Philadelphia's City Hall briefly held the record for the world's tallest building when it was completed just in time for the Panic of 1893, a crisis so severe that the U.S. Treasury Department had to be bailed out. The MetLife Insurance Tower in New York City shattered the record for the world's tallest building when completed in 1907, just as the Panic of 1907 broke out. The Panic of 1907 was so extreme that it led to the creation of the Fed a few years later. 
Another financial crisis erupted in 1914, just on the heels of New York's Woolworth Building, becoming the tallest in the world. And on the eve of the Great Depression, multiple projects were all simultaneously competing to be the world's tallest building, including the Empire State Building, the Chrysler Building, and the Manhattan Bank Trust Building, now known as the Trump Building. Now remember, this is what the Bible said. These guys are going to build a tower to God. And the attitude of people in the world is, let's be higher. We're going to be greater than God. And this is just a pattern which is followed in history. We'll go on. The construction of the World Trade Center and the Chicago Sears Towers in the early 1970s, both of which became the tallest buildings in the world, immediately preceded the OPEC oil price shock in 1973 and the subsequent banking crisis and economic recession. The Petronas Towers were completed in 1998 in Malaysia. They hadn't even started them when I left in 1993. They were completed by the time 1998 came along, taking the title as tallest in the world right before the Asian financial crisis broke out. Construction of the Taipei 101 Tower, which became the tallest building in the world, began just months before the dot-com bubble burst and the recession of the early 2000s began. And of course, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai became the world's tallest building when its height reached 2,257 feet on 1 September 2008, literally days before Lehman Brothers were bankrupt and the global financial crisis kicked off. Is this just coincidence? You know, he doesn't make any connection to the Bible at all here. He's just saying, you know, he, he comes to a different conclusion. But the Bible would bear this out, wouldn't it? Okay. Um, let's see here. Is it just coincidence or is there perhaps a link to the world's tallest buildings and economic crisis? It certainly stands to reason that the enormous buildings are extremely expensive and require vast amounts of funding, something that is relatively easy to come by when the economy is near its cyclical peak. Ego and hubris, which are part of the Bible part of it, are also abundant when an economy is near the top, as booms and peaks often are accompanied by ostentatious displays of wealth, including ambitious construction projects. Then he goes back in time. During the 12th and 13th centuries, when Italian city-states were the dominant powers of Europe, there was practically a competition among the richest of the cities of Bologna who built as many as 180 towers to show off their wealth. By the mid-1300s, of course, Bologna's power faded and the city fell into economic obscurity. It's interesting to consider, given the flurry of new projects, mostly in Asia, that are feverishly being constructed to rival the tallest building in the world, from the Golden Finance Tower in Tianjin to be completed this year, to the Wuhan Greenland Center, also in 2018, to the Jeddah Tower in Saudi Arabia as early as 2019, there is no shortage of hubris or debt-based funding to drive these projects to record heights. All of these new towers, of course, are being built at a time when financial markets are near all-time highs and global debt is at an astounding record of 233 trillion dollars, several times the size of the global economy. So we have these three buildings all vying to be the tallest in the next year, and we'll see where it goes. Will history repeat itself? Got a lesser for you today. Mother told us to go out and play. Good advice for the youth of today. Those iPads and iPhones are deshaping their bones and resulting in bad vertebrae. <laughs> Good job, Les and his wife. They both participated. Uh, let's see here. Irony of the week, I call this getting around. From the Hartford Courant. This is from Rhoda in Israel. I don't know why she's reading the Hartford Courant, but here you go. Hartford police say man drove stolen car to court to face 
stolen car charge. <laughs> yeah. And from the San Francisco gate, flight carrying more than 80 plumbers is grounded due to toilet trouble. Oh, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is the Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.